When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now, here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another great show. I am your host, Martha Shedden, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Lucinda Jackson to the podcast. Lucinda is a scientist and business executive and spent almost 50 years at three universities and four Fortune 500 companies where she experienced and witnessed the unequal treatment of women. In her first book, Just a Girl, Growing Up Female and Ambitious, she writes about her struggles and wins to succeed in male-dominated energy and chemical companies. After moving on from academia and corporate America, Lucinda writes about the tough transition from career to retirement in her latest book, Project Escape, Lessons for an Unscripted Life an exploration of freedom and purpose after leaving a structured full-on career. Lucinda, thank you so much for joining me today. You're so welcome, Martha. It's wonderful to talk to you and to be here. Great. Let's get started. Um, I always ask people about, I want to know how you get to got to where you are. So tell us a little about yourself and the work you're currently doing to empower people, women specifically, uh, to create a fantastic retirement for themselves. Uh, yeah, I am a, um, a scientist and I, I worked for many, many years in the um, corporate setting. And um, I did experience, uh, you know, what it was like to be the only and to um, be discriminated against and, you know, not feel included. So when I left that, I, I had a big desire to talk more about that. It's not something you, especially in the earlier years prior to Me Too movement, you didn't really talk about a lot of that kind of stuff. And so um, it was very liberating for me to, to talk about it. And I, I wrote my first book, um, Just a Girl, Growing Up Female and Ambitious, and found that resonated with a lot of women, uh, especially in male-dominated industries. And um, so after I, um, you know, that was something I did when I left the corporate world. And um, like you, I've sort of discovered a, a second, uh, I have discovered a second career in writing. And uh, now with my second book, I really started looking at this, um, this whole cadre of women who are retiring right now. And we're really the first wave of women that have had really, you know, full on careers. 
uh, prior to that, a lot of women had like our mothers maybe had part-time jobs or, or stayed home, but we, we're, you know, had all these experiences. And then when you all of a sudden one day leave and that's not there anymore, I found the transition was very interesting along with the money thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, that's what I'm writing and talking about now is, is how to, how to have a remarkable retirement and how to get through that transition without um, tons and tons of money. Great. Well, that's, this interview is going to be really helpful to our listeners. And it's so nice for me to be talking about more of the human aspects of planning for retirement. So what, what have you found is important for enjoying retirement? It's not necessarily related to money. Well, I, it always is related to money, but what have you found? Right. Well, one thing I you know, realize is that so many people, especially women, don't have that much money in retirement. And a lot of it's what they have is Social Security. And the, uh, you probably know these numbers better than me, but their average is like $3,800 a month. And most of that Social Security that people end up with. So, you know, I found that uh, a lot of people were saying, they get asked, what do you want to do in retirement? And they say, well, I want to travel. And the problem with that is that it's very expensive. And knowing that people don't have, not everybody has a lot of money in retirement. Um, I started thinking about what core values are. And how to have an intentional retirement, not just let it happen and try to do some trips or something, but think about it. So I started out with um, actually using some of my corporate tools, which was to have a mission statement and to have, you know, what your core values are, just like a lot of companies do. So that's a way that you can kind of get to what you want to do. But instead of jumping to what you want to do, I recommend looking at your core values first and, you know, figuring out how to identify those. And really planning for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Planning it, not just financially, but planning it inside and kind of digging deep about what you really care about. Right. What, what you want to have in your life. And what's so interesting is that if you do that, those things that will lead you to what you should be doing and it will lead you to things that don't cost a lot of money. Great. I can give some examples. <laughs> okay. So you feel, is it experiences that are central to that happy retirement? Um, well, again, it's, this, it's really digging into your own core values. Like people will say, like, I want to travel in retirement or, you know, I want to have some adventures. And, and if you think like, why? I do this, you know, to people that I'm working with, um, ask why five times, you know, why do you want to travel? And well, it's fun or why is it fun to you? Well, it's fun because it's new. And, you know, why do you like things that are new and, and then ratchet down and it usually comes into some core value. Well, I really, I like travel because I like to, I like to learn or I like to explore. Right. And so if you focus on that, instead of like, the do like I want to travel. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I see. I want to explore, and then that opens up a thousand things that are satisfying, 
And you might find that traveling, which is expensive, is not actually that satisfying. It's kind of fleeting and you you come yeah. back from the trip and you have that kind of down period. Yeah. But yeah. If you if you look at exploring as your core value, you say, what what could I do? And I've worked with a, a lot of women and, and they do things like um, you know, learning a new language or exploring local hidden secrets in their own areas or um you know, I have some friends that have taken up open water swimming. I mean, all these things don't cost anything and they're not about a big, expensive, fancy trip to the Galapagos or something. Right. And the more you look at your core values, they really aren't satisfied by big things that are expensive. They're satisfied by pretty small things. Mm -hmm. And I found that very, uh, just a great guide. And I, I use that. I use my core values. I have five of them. I recommend people have four to five of them. And I, I have them, um, you know, use those as your criteria for what you're going to do in your retirement. So is this related to uh, project escape? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's not, I was going to say, is it five phases or five values or what? Tell us about that. Okay. Um, Project Escape is, is my story of what, how this all worked for me. And I did, I did um, pick a mission statement, which for me was create a remarkable retirement, or I call it the next act because you know, I, don't, I don't like the word retirement because it means, you know, recede, um, yes. go to bed. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have a really good connotation sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. So I call it, I, my mission statement was, was to have a remarkable next act. Then I looked at, um, there's a five-phase process in project management. And the first one is to create you know, vision. And the, the second phase is to look, and I talk about this in the book, and this is what I did. Um, I then created my criteria. Like, what are your criteria? What are the opportunities and my criteria were my core values. And that's what I really worked on was my four or five core values. And then in project management, the third phase is, is to, it's the second and third phase is to look at alternatives. So I looked at all kinds of alternatives that would satisfy those core values. But you see the beauty of it is doing, and just like in a capital project, you do a lot of work up front before you actually build the building or water yes. treatment plant or whatever. Yes. So you do all this planning up front and it's very, um, it's not easy. It's not, it's the biggest, it's the biggest part of it. And then you go into the do stage, which in project management um, stage three is develop the preferred alternative. You look at all your alternatives, you develop the preferred one. And then stage four is when you actually implement and then stage five is when you come back and evaluate how you're doing it. So I also have a scorecard that I use my own next act to make sure that I continue to meet my own core values. Because you can get off base. You can get off, you know, <laughs> start doing things and then you feel like, I'm not that satisfied. Why is that? And I go back and go, oh, that's because... I'm not paying attention to my core values again. I just got kind of lost. Yeah. Lost. Well, I, it keeps you focused and it's worked for me for about um, 
four years now. I've kept the same. I messed around with my core values a bunch in the beginning because I thought I had them and they weren't right. And I huh. did stuff and which is what the, st- the story is in Project Escape. What I did was um, I thought I figured out my core values and joining the Peace Corps at age 66 was what I thought was the solution to meet all my core values. And so I talked my husband into going into the Peace Corps reluctantly. He didn't really want to do it. And we went to Palau, um, an island nation in Micronesia. And so I tell the story in the book of the transition that I went through where I wasn't meeting my core values, even though I thought I was, and the the kind of um, loss of purpose, the identity crisis, the ego, um, marriage issues that hit a lot of people as they transition from a full-on career where you have a lot of that kind of provided for you. Yeah. And you have a paycheck and then all of a sudden you don't. <laughs> and so um, that's my story and not to kill the ending because it's not really an ending. The Peace Corps was a disaster. I also show how you go back through the process, you know, recalibrate your core values and find new things to do. And that's to me, the secret of, of retirement, that continuous improvement and continuously yeah. looking back and have a good vision and sticking to, you know, moderating it and then sticking to it. Yeah. I can tell, I can hear your, your scientific um, <laughs> mind yeah. there and t- I'm totally relating to my engineering projects. Yes. I'm sure you are. <laughs> and so I, I mean, but it's kind of a revelation that, that that's what we should be doing. I just think of it as, planning to do the things I love, but there is, it is uh, the core values. You know, for me, I like to share travel experiences with friends and family. And so that doesn't necessarily have to be expensive, I guess, but um, really you have a very interesting take on it. Um, You often speak too about turning your one's interests into a business Mm-hmm. What are your suggestions to others on this topic? Is that why you got into writing? No, the writing just happened. I, I think I had a lot of pent up frustration from, oh. from my many years in the corporate world without being um, really feeling like I fit in or like I really got to express myself. So I just started writing. Okay. But then um, since I do, I've been in business for decades. I realized you can turn your interests into a business and it has a lot of um, tax advantages. And it's instead of just making it like, oh, I'm just going to write books and just kind of hang out. If I, I made it into a business along with my um, consulting that I do, I still do environmental consulting, scientific consulting. Oh, you do. <laughs> and so all that's my, my business. And I found that it, um, you know, it doesn't take much. You go file for a, you know, yeah. create a name, you file for it, you, you put it in the newspaper still <laughs> and, and yeah. um, you get a name for your business. And uh, it's a great way to kind of keep track of what you're doing and how much money you're spending on your hobbies or whatever. Yeah. You want to call them. 
Um, so I really recommend people. I even have friends that, you know, like teach yoga on their own. And I go, you, you should make this into a business. You know, you can write all this stuff off and you, it'll help you keep track of, you know, the, kind of the, the balance sheet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. And when I first was introduced to social security, I was following a, an online gentleman named Brendan Bouchard. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, I went to his high performance Academy and experts Academy. And, and it was all about that turning your interests into a business. And that's what, that's what gave me the confidence to just make a card that said I was a social security analyst and start shedding social security and retirement planning and just offer my services. And, um, Then I've recently found uh, we do a lot of presentations on self-employment and social security and tax issues. And the largest group of self-employed people are 65 and older. By far, the chart, it's like 15 and a half percent. The next largest is the 50s to the mid 60s. Interesting. So I completely agree with what you're saying. That's there's all kinds of opportunities. If we just have the strength and the courage to move forward on those, to turn those into businesses. Yeah, Martha. And I I think for people that have had careers, which is the market I'm kind of looking at people that have had careers, you don't want to just stop doing do nothing. And so having a business lets you continue to use all those skills that you have. Right. It's not difficult. (laughs) It's very, it's very gratifying and you can do it in baby steps. Like they said, just make up a name and yeah. Yeah. You make up a name. (laughs) You're in business. (laughs) You can order a card on Vistaprint. (laughs) Yes. I remember when I made my first um, business cards too. It was very exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then you get your 30 second elevator speech going and yes, you're in business. Yes. Do podcasts. Yeah. podcasts. <laughs> I do public speaking too. And it's yeah. wonderful. I keep track now of what I'm doing and it, it just makes it a nice, um, it's wonderful for this, t- this time of my life. And I can I, control the amount of work that I do. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, do you have any thoughts on social security specifically on claiming d- decisions or does your advice play into that with the people you talk to? Yeah. I mean, most people, you know, I always make it clear. I'm not a financial advisor. When I talk with people, I'm more of the, the personal emotional advisor mm-hmm. part of retirement, but I certainly experienced that myself with that first time I didn't have a paycheck. I was panicky and then you're supposed to start using your savings which you've saved you know when you've saved all your life you don't think about the time you ever have to actually start using those savings and so that first time I had to take money out knowing there was no more money coming in it was a very big emotional adjustment for me and I did look into social security and found out that the longer that you let it you you don't take it, the more you're going to get. And I looked at the tables and uh-huh. saw that if I could get by without taking it until I was 70, it would be an advantage. And I did that. 
Uh, so my advice to people about Social Security is to, well, first, you know, keep working because <laughs> you're yeah. acquiring it. Like, don't quit early. If you can do it, keep working and getting that Social Security up and then seeing if you can delay it as long as you can in order to. And if you have a, a partner, a spouse to the person who's who has made less money, take their Social Security first. Right. And then yours next. So there's tricks to it. And um, maybe you can explain this, but there was one thing that happened to me that I delayed it. And then when I decided to take it, they told me that I had a, some kind of a lump sum that was, that was supposed to come to, that could come to me. And they sent me a check for. Were, were you married at the time? Yes. Um, if you were born in 1953 or before, I was, then you were able to file a restricted application. And so if your husband was collecting retirement benefits, you were eligible to collect that lower spousal benefit, which is probably lower than your own retirement benefit. And you you could have done that as early as your full retirement age of 66. Um, And that rule is being phased out. Actually, uh, the people that can still use it are 69 this year. So it's the last year, but that was uh, legislation passed in 2015. And it had that birth date of 53 or earlier. And so, and then, so that allowed uh, couples to collect this spousal benefit in the interim where the second spouse's own retirement benefit was still growing till 70. And so that's probably what you got a six month retroactive payment for that. Oh, and I'm okay. glad to hear they gave that to you. It was a that's, big surprise. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about this topic because there's these just little uh, hidden rules. And that was a big change when that legislation happened. And the restricted application benefited a lot of couples. There was another one that was phased out just in those first four months of 2016. But um, yeah. To your point that that we we all need to know as much as we can um, about our finances and social security is a huge part of that. So knowing that, you know, it's not fun to be poor in retirement. And even though I'm advocating for these lower cost adventures, because I I believe that they're more satisfying, you know, when you have financial problems, it, it takes the the joy out of these later years of life. So uh, just a huge supporter of, you know, telling people to save money and to figure out their financial situation. So I do think that's like the first thing. And once you get that kind of, then you can move on to what I'm talking about, which is, you know, how to really um, find the most satisfaction and sort of serendipitously, the most satisfying things, as we know, don't really involve cost a lot of money. That's true. That's true. Um, Yeah, I think, and I feel for women, maybe especially those of us that have had careers that you mentioned it, that time when you have to start using that money you've saved is terrifying. It's Mm -hmm. scary. 
to um, after all those years of saving it and watching it grow and then relying on that. And, and so the, uh, the guaranteed income, like from social security or someone who has a pension or annuities for some people, that's such a, a, a comfort to know that, that yeah. you have that. When I first started doing my core values, I actually thought one of my core values was core values was a paycheck. And mm. I, I, because I'd already always had one, it gave me, well, at first I was like, why? Well, then I realized, I mean, I, I looked at what I want to do in retirement and I, I eliminated things that didn't give me a paycheck because I thought that was really important to myself, but I hadn't really looked at why that was so important. Interesting. And, and so that's one reason I joined the Peace Corps because it, you have a paycheck. And I thought that was going to meet a core value. Well, then I realized in the Peace Corps, I mean, I had a paycheck, but I was not satisfied. And what I realized was when I sort of did the ask five why times, like, why is a paycheck important to me? And the paycheck made me feel valued in our society. You know, if you're not being paid, you're not worth anything. And so I realized that my my core value really wasn't getting a paycheck. It was about feeling valued. And there's other reasons why people like to get paychecks. But for yeah. me, that was what I was after. You know, I wanted to feel valued and I'd done volunteer work where I hadn't been paid and hadn't felt valued. So I thought, oh, if you're getting a paycheck, then you're, you're valued. Oh, interesting. interesting. But I found out that in the Peace Corps, I was getting a paycheck, paycheck, but they didn't value our um, contributions really not feeling valued was the just ripped me apart (laughs) yeah yeah. the core value from paycheck to being valued and now I use that so I don't need to have it I don't need to be paid for everything I'm doing but if I'm feeling appreciated and then I'm adding value and you know being being respected and that one was hard for me because I didn't really want to admit that, that, that I needed that. It seemed like a weakness or something. But that's the cool thing about core values is that if you, if you really dig deep, you see, okay, that's, I was off base. You know, really deep need I have is to be valued. So there yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. But it helps me now when I pick things to do. Um, if, if I'm not feeling if I don't feel like I'm going to be valued or I get into it and I'm not being valued, yeah, I say this, this isn't working for me. It's- well, that something jumps into my mind about that. And that is um, the people that are in your life. I mean, at our age, it's like, I don't have a lot of, um, a lot of patience for someone that I don't really, really get along with. Yes, that's hard. We have limited time to spend with our loved ones. And I want that to be with the right people. Um, yeah, one of my other core values is authentic self. And I know that sounds, you know, really cliche, but it's to that exactly what you're talking about, Martha, that at this time of my life, I want to be around people who I can be myself around, right? I don't want to be have to like pretend I'm somebody I'm not, or, you know, compete or (laughs) I want to be around people who um, I enjoy and who I love and who make me feel good about myself. And I know I make them feel good. And 
So that that's real, real important one to me. And it helps guide, again, it helps guide the choices that I make in my retirement and you know how I'm spending my time. Right. And who I'm spending my time with. Exactly. What do you think is the biggest change in thought? You may have kind of already addressed this concerning someone who thinks what will make them happy in retirement and then what actually does make them happy once they've retired. I perhaps some people don't quite figure that out, but right. I think of I have seen people definitely on doing a do a do retirement. They have a huge do list. I had somebody the other day send me oh. send me a huge list of all the things that he's been he's doing in retirement. It was this huge long list. It just looked exhausting. And it <laughs> and, and my feedback was that I mean, you're doing a lot of things, but what I feel this age is is about really understanding yourself. And if you haven't done that work, you'll end up you can do as many things as you want in retirement. I mean, you can, you can just, you know, stack up the, be busy, 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 busy. And, but is it satisfying? And I see a lot of people busy without being satisfied. And that's the difference. That's my approach is, is different in that, um, you know, I just guide people to do that upfront work, which like I said, sometimes can be painful when you don't really want to admit what's really, really important to you. And this comes down to pretty basic stuff, you know? And yeah. So that's the problems I see with people in this stage of life. I can relate to that because I don't know, I guess I've always been a hard worker. I like to accomplish things. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so that busyness, I can relate to that. And you need to step back and say, well, am I really enjoying this or why am I doing it? Yeah, and I see people, um, you know, come up with big things like they want to study Buddhism in Thailand. That's it, oh my goodness, it, something like that. But when you you know really start talking to them, like, well, why do you want to do that? And what is it that? I mean, that sounds very cool, but not everybody can do that, and that sounds a little hard to pull off. <laughs> so yeah. if you go down, you know, it really might be um, spirituality that you're after. And there's lots of ways to satisfy that, whether it's, um, you know, I have friends that have taken up meditation, other friends that have, I have one friend who actually went back and got a, a degree in, she's a minister now. Oh, interesting. And um, loving it. Um, there's all kinds of things you can do. And so um, I have another funny one that one of, one of my friends, um, her goal in retirement was to find a, a partner. And so she, she started out on this, you know, journey to find a partner. And then we started talking, you know, like, why do you want to find a partner? And she says, well, you know, because this and this, and that kind of came down to that she wanted um, companionship and love. So companionship and love are good core values. Finding a partner isn't really a core value. Right. So when she did it that way, then she started on a, a journey of, of, of looking for companionship. And, um, you know, she was doing like, it's just lunch. And then she actually got a, um, a matchmaker. And then she said that, but, but she had a, a long-term plan because she said if none of that worked out, she was going to get a dog. I was, <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to you thinking, get a dog or a cat. Yeah. 
So she, and she was totally clear about that because she knew that what she was looking for was somewhere. I mean, that would also be very satisfying a dog or a cat. So it kind of kept her on a good road to go back to that core value and not just focus on like, I need a man or whatever. I need a a person partner. (laughs) So it just opens up lots of possibilities, which I love having lots of alternatives in this phase of life. And then if it doesn't work out, you could go, go back and look at some of those other alternatives that you thought about in the beginning and say, uh, okay, well, this one didn't work out. And then if it's not as disappointing because you have a bunch of other things that you, yeah. you think might also satisfy your core values. Yeah. And which is what Craig and I did, my husband, in the book, um, Project Escape, when the Peace Corps didn't work out, I came, we came back and I looked at my core values again. And another alternative tip I had figured out was um, teaching science in Mexico. And th- we, we then, so we did that and moved down there and taught science. And it was very inexpensive for one thing. You can live on social security and do it. And it, it was very satisfying. And then oh. I looked at my scorecard and it was all, I use a red, yellow, green thing for my scorecard. Yeah. Oh, I do too. <laughs> So green was my, my green. Oh, well, the, I could talk to you a long time. I have one more question. Well, two more, but um, you mentioned your husband and I wanted to ask, what's your advice about keeping a marriage thriving and engaging in retirement? Sounds like you've been through some experiences on that. Yeah. Your relationships are so interesting. Um, I had read about gray divorce and the divorce statistics for retired people are very high. And it's kind of a thing, you know, and, and I didn't want that to happen to me. I'd been married for you know decades and I had to admit that my relationship with my husband had become more of a parallel life kind of thing. And so we were living parallel lives and, you know, fine getting along, but I felt like the, the passion and the romance was not really there anymore. And we went to Palau and we rediscovered ourselves, each other, really. We, Mm. I guess in the face of, of odds, it was a very, um, in the book talks about, it was a very challenging experience for us in many, many ways. And we were, we were very, very poor. The Peace Corps didn't give us enough money to live where we were living at uh, Palau was actually like a first world country. And they gave us, um, we were living on like $300 a month, which is like trying to live on that in the United States. Cause their, their economy is similar to the United States. So we were really, really poor and really, really downtrodden. The country didn't really want peace for people there. So we were not appreciated and we were like the poorest people in the country. And that experience, instead of breaking us apart it, it cemented us so we really um had each other's backs we gave each other a lot of breaks we we had this thing we used that um like we would just say whatever anything happened we would say i know you're doing your best <laughs> or if if we had any kind of a fight we would say and i'm all yours <laughs> oh. and it made us realize just what good friends we are. And it um, completely um, rejuvenated our relationship, our, our romance. So actually one of my core values now 
is romance. <laughs> and I developed that from the, the Peace Corps. We both enjoyed it so much. I mean, being in love again was wonderful. Oh. And we've kept that going since we got back. We used the techniques we used there. We remembered things and, you know, we rejuvenated my marriage. So it's been fabulous. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I would recommend it, you know, just you, it's a good core value to have something like, like that in your to focus on it. I would is yeah, focus and know when you're not doing it anymore and yeah. like what the consequences are if you don't spend time on that. Yeah. Um, because we tend to take those closest to us for granted. Yeah. Especially yeah. after many decades. What do you think from your experience and knowledge, what are the top two or three most important takeaways? for individuals approaching retirement? How would you summarize what we've been talking about? Do some self-analysis, even if you don't like to do that kind of thing. (laughs) People don't like to look at themselves, but Mm -hmm. highly recommend doing that and figuring out what really matters to you. Write those things down and then use them as a roadmap for what you choose to do in this phase of life and take some risks. That's my second piece of advice. Take some risks, have a great time. Uh, I found this to be the most fun time of my entire life, which I did not think it was going to (laughs) be. I always wondered what, how could people even stand to get old? And I'm finding that it's just so fun. (laughs) So that's my, that's my take some risks and enjoy it. Wonderful. Well, it's been so great to talk to you. Where can people go to learn more about you and your work? I have a website, um, lucindajackson.com. And uh, my books are both on there. And um, also the people want me to come speak or be on radio or podcasts. I do all that and really enjoy doing that. And uh, my books are available everywhere, uh, libraries, and I'm a big library fan. And they're in... um, all bookstores uh, across the country and um, of course, Amazon and Mm -hmm. the the usual online stuff. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please join us every Wednesday when new episodes are released as our expert guests share a wide variety of knowledge on all topics related to retirement. See you next week. Thanks, Martha. Bye. Thank you.